Hey guys, it is Kate, and welcome back to the Uncharted Podcast. It's been two weeks since we have been able to record and put up a new episode, and I am so, so ready to be back with you guys. To be really transparent, I feel like I do owe you all an explanation because I never wanted to take multiple breaks throughout recording. And uh, what's been going on the past two weeks? So I have had a crash course lesson in entrepreneurship and taking care of yourself and being prepared. If you listen to probably the past three weeks of episodes before our two weeks break, you might have noticed that in almost every episode, I was really sniffly. I always sounded like I had a cold, super run down, and really since probably November, I've just been grinding myself with work and side projects and trying to see friends and move, and it's been a little crazy. And with the flu season, it just caught up to me. So about two weeks ago, I was hit like a brick wall with the flu and my body finally said it had enough and I was out for the count for about a week and a half, which coincidentally overlapped with two weekends of the Uncharted podcast and my recordings, but it also taught me a really valuable lesson. One, well, I guess two. So one, to be prepared. I think I've said this a lot, but I actually do record and edit a lot of these episodes the weekend before they go out. Sometimes because I want to stay current and oftentimes because I just have other stuff going on and I haven't done a great job prioritizing it. So that is finally changing. And then number two, the second lesson is really about taking care of yourself and kind of meeting yourself where you are in whatever your journey you're in. The first day I got sick, was actually the day I was supposed to do a recording with our guests that we're about to have. And there was part of me that said, you know, just push through it. Lay on the couch, record it anyways, stay up late, and, you know, you're still going to be sick anyway, so it doesn't matter. And it was this moment of realization of you have to be okay with letting people know when you need to take a step back, even if it feels like a failure even if it feels like you're letting others down and kind of do what's best for you. So that is what I did. I am back. I also had um, just some personal family issues that unfortunately came at the same time. We lost my grandfather unexpectedly and I, because I was sick, I wasn't able to go home. And so that becomes a lot for anyone. And so if you're going through something similar, I feel for you. I'm with you and know that we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to have fun. So with that, I think we should get started with this week's guest. Let's go. Hello. Hi. You are officially on the Uncharted podcast. Yay. Thank you. (laughs) You are so welcome. Thank you. I just did the intro and I was telling the listeners that um, we were supposed to record two weeks ago and we've been battling flus and just life. Yeah, that time of year. It's a little crazy, but I'm glad we could finally get together. And I haven't even told people your name. (laughs) So this week we have Stephanie Pinch, or Steph Pinch, as I love to call her, on the line, one of my closest friends. We've been friends since, like, eight years yeah. now? Yeah, eight something. Nine? Yeah. Oh, that's a long time. A long time. <laughs> that's a really long time. Uh, we met in college, and the way, do you know one of the first meetings I remember with you? No. So... Steph and I, we kind of knew, we were in the same sorority, and she was a year older, and we kind of knew each other that first semester, but it wasn't really until the semester, first semester of my sophomore year that I got to know Steph. One, because we had similar interests in sports, and two, because we always ended up in study hall at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And my first real memory of you, which then kind of like, encapsulates the rest of our friendship but my first memory of you was it was early in the fall there was this boy that I was like puppy love 
and um, we were very different people and he used to party a lot and that was his priority and my priority was school always and so we were always at like this conflict and I remember one night being in the library I don't know if it was before midterms or what but everyone was out at the bar I was studying and I was so torn whether or not to go and I was like he's gonna think that I'm such a nerd and you and I really didn't know each other that well and you were like Caitlin if this boy is worth anything to you, he will know your worth. You are smart. Don't play small. Don't act like you don't <laughs> like school. And you just went on this whole rant. And I was like, I don't know who this girl is. <laughs> Sounds and, like something I would say. And you were right, of course, as you always are. <laughs> and that's kind of been our friendship ever since. <laughs> yep. Selves accountable through lots of love, tears, and really good jokes <laughs> and really good jokes Steph has like the most <laughs> I don't want to say awkward sense of humor but like <laughs> together you and I have a really awkward sense of humor but I appreciate Pun. that you get it puns. Yeah, puns are really funny I know next week we actually have Sam on she is like the yep. pun queen so that's actually going to be my challenge for her mm-hmm. is to put as many puns as possible <laughs> As many puns. <laughs> I feel really proud when I say a joke and she doesn't. And well, other people don't get it, but she gets it. I'm like, someone <laughs> understands me. <laughs> so, um, well, that was how we met. But I thought what would be fun to kick off before we go into your story and what's going on with your life. I want to do a segment I haven't done with anyone else before. But I feel like you're like one of those people that can go off the top of your head. So we are going to do... 10 random facts about stuff all right let's do it but they're gonna come from you oh <laughs> and gosh if, and then if there's any that i think you miss i'll throw them in there <laughs> all right random facts i'm yes. 27 and i've been to 27 countries that's an amazing one you're almost wait aren't you almost 28 no uh it's a long way off three weeks okay okay 27 27 27 and 27 countries (laughs) um i speak french french fluently last year i read 104 books and yeah i want to come back to that because i still am amazed that you did that um let's see what else i'm an (laughs) over-the-top obsessive new england sports team fan (laughs) a little over the top I went to the 2013 World Series. That, That's a did fun they win one. that year? Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's because of me. Obviously. I, I hold my teams tend to lose when I go um, to their games, so I watch them <laughs> on the TV. <laughs> yeah, whatever works. I think you and I share this in. We've probably had more cups <laughs> of Starbucks than most other humans combined lots of gold stars um lots of gold stars we were gold stars before i think people even knew what a gold star member was and we were in college students so there's absolutely no reason i think we we were gold stars back in the day when they actually gave you a gold card yeah yeah the card i still have it (laughs) just (laughs) because i was like what do i do with it i can't throw it away um i really like to do new new things so i just started trying to learn you did i didn't know that yes it's (laughs) only two weeks old so it's real new (laughs) and i am in the middle of doctorate interviews uh i got my master's when i was 23 that's That's a pretty good one actually i might not have been 23 yet but within like two weeks within that week span and then my best friend lives in Tampa, <laughs> and I went to two different countries to you see did. her. You did. There You're you like go. we did it. You and Alejandra, Ten. you were like the champs when I was traveling the world. But yeah, we yep. have had so much fun. Oh, I have a good one for you, actually. Didn't you go? What what country was that? You went to your when you were coming to visit me. You went to Uruguay for like a day. Yep, I took the little ferry over, and it was the best day ever. I. Definitely want to go back there. There was a cute little coastal town. It was almost like 30 years behind in times. So that was pretty cool. Old cars. Yeah, that was um, so nice. You, so that you was literally cool went to Uruguay and came back before I finished like, <laughs> before, business calls for the day. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. funny and so badass of you, which I love. 
So I'm sure people will get to know even more about you. But like we do with all guests, I kind of wanted to go, usually I go all the way back and I say like, what was success like when you were growing up and talk that way? But I actually think what's more interesting for you is if we talk about where you are now and kind of like the point in your life that you're in and then we'll work backwards. I think, I think that would make sense since right now has been the fastest change in the fastest months. change in your whole life. <laughs> Maybe like the past yeah. 72 hours. <laughs> All right, so let's hit it. Yep. What are you doing, Seth? Who are you? I am redefining and rediscovering what makes me super happy and what makes me tick. So I went for a jump. I was a teacher in inner city DC, five years um, teaching students transitioning from the jail system or recent incarceration back to public school education. So our students had lots of different what uh, happened to them, experienced trauma, different disabilities, different personalities. And unfortunately, public school education is not the greatest place to be and healthiest place to be working. Mm, so, Especially inner city. Yeah, no. Um, so it's definitely taking a toll and not for anything against the students or the parents. That was actually my favorite part. But sometimes you have to stand up for yourself and realize this isn't healthy and I have to do something that can make me still feel like I'm contributing to the better good of the world or my little part of my community, but also realizing that I deserve to not be yelled at by another adult in the middle of the hallway in front Mm. of a hundred students (laughs) or whatever ridiculous things that um, happened to me. So in June, I decided to not renew my contract and planned an awesome trip to Swaziland to do some service, go back to South Africa, which is my favorite place in the world that I cannot wait for you to experience. (laughs) Which I'm officially going to. (laughs) April 2018. I know. So great. And then came back and I applied for something like 30 jobs, um, got my resume tailored and was just really excited to go on the business side of education, whether that be education consulting. I didn't really know, but I knew I just wanted to still be a part of working with kids, but in a healthier area. And I kept getting no's, like no after no, (laughs) after no, after no, or no even response. Even I thought I nailed um, and references at our family trip in August and just really feeling pretty down. A lot of my family members are in different places. Many are engaged or seriously dating. And then there's me, single, powerful, <laughs> intelligent me. But at the moment, I was having a really valley day, um, just questioning everything. And I um, was just looking at the ocean and having this moment of calm and thinking, I always wanted to get my PhD. What if I do it? And then my rational side was like, are you kidding me? Girl, we don't have time for all that. And Like, now you're already 26. There's no... T- there's a lot of school for PhD. There's a lot of school. You won't be making money. What are you doing? <laughs> and then the more I thought about it, the more I got excited. And I actually reached out to one of our sorority sisters, Stephanie Robinson, because she just got her PhD and just asked about the process. And so I made a plan. I still was applying to jobs, but I made a plan to study and sign up for the GRE, uh, take the course to study. And then like everything has fallen in place that is just more reaffirming that I am following the right path. Job came up that I could work with students with autism during the day and do academic coaching in the evening. And then I studied like it was a part-time job for my GRE, <laughs> like really glamorous study hours on Friday nights when people are like, hey, do you want to get drinks? No, no, I have a GRE test. And then I didn't do well on my GRE test and I thought... <laughs> okay, are you freaking kidding me? It's over. Why am I even doing all this hard work? But I didn't give up. And you kept reminding me, it's fine. You can do it. And then I rocked it and I got a bunch of uh, interviews and I'm in the process of figuring out which one's going to be the place where I'll get to earn my uh, doctorate of psychology. One year. Well, not even. It's 
No. It's only, oh, yeah. No, it's like seven months. I can't count time. You'll know within before one year since quitting your job and walking away from something that wasn't great for you, you'll yeah. know like your whole new life path. I know. It feels like it's been five at least. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe in the amount of tears uh, there. But a few thing, years you lost. Know, <laughs> a few years. Thank goodness I don't have gray hair yet, but I'm sure it's just delayed. It's coming soon. Um, but one thing I think that as women we often do is we don't follow through on our crazy ideas or dreams that might not be as rational as others. So, mm-hmm. Especially if it doesn't make sense or it might be a financial risk or a job change, we may not feel as encouraged to do it just because maybe there hadn't been a woman who had paved that path before or if we're independent women that sometimes it may not make sense. So I think that it's always important to just as scary as it is the right path. It's amazing when you finally let go and follow your gut, things just fall into place in ways that you just cannot even imagine. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I know at least for myself and I've witnessed this even with my own friends where you can tell when there's something you really want to go after, whether it's an opportunity or it's a job or just like even a place you want to go for the day or someone that you want to talk to. And it's so easy for us to say, well, that doesn't really like people are going to think I'm crazy if I do that or it, it's going to look so risky from the outside, even though I know that that's what I want to do. And so I think that we end up taking so much longer to get to the things that we actually care about and want to do because we're afraid. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this with a lot of my friends before. Uh, we talked about it on remote year a lot. I think that when we go into this place of like, that's not realistic or it, it's going to look crazy to certain people or like maybe yeah. I could have done that if I started a few years ago, but now I look like so far behind. It starts to pair instantly with what a, in the personal development world and coaching, what we call limiting beliefs where like you have this belief that's holding you back. And as soon as you allow your fear to take hold of you, all of those beliefs start to become more real. Like everything in front of you starts to validate what you are already fearing. Yep. And then coupled that with your insecurities and you're not going to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I feel like women also, you brought it up a little bit. We're on a different timeline, right? Whether or not we acknowledge it. Yep. Want to acknowledge it. Being women, it's harder because, you know, we're supposed to start a family and get married and, you know, we're not seahorses, so we have to carry the babies or <laughs> for surrogates and adoption. Um, but there are certain years that are more uh, able to be a mom than others. So we have we're, we're just supposed to do it all within 10 years. And we're also trying to get a, a better identity of ourselves. Um, so I think that's definitely hard. And for me, that was in my hardest moments where it was just realizing that of, oh my gosh, but if I make this change, will I be able to still get married and meet somebody and have kids? Which, are, of course, when you say those feelings out loud, or if my friend was talking about that, I would just say, oh my gosh, are you crazy? Of course, all that can happen. But it, when it's yourself, you don't always, your negative talk is so much stronger and we don't give ourselves grace or kindness or just reassurance that it totally works out. It may look a different way, and it may sometimes look like a crazy eight instead of a perfect circle. <laughs> but, and so my hardest moments were definitely just comparing myself to we're at the age where all of our friends are either married, moving in with boyfriends or girlfriends. And so it's really hard because you're comparing yourself against this made-up cultural timeline. And then also maybe if your circle is closing in and becoming less and less and fewer and fewer single friends, that was one of my biggest ones. Um, after college, I did Teach for America and got a master's degree. So it was just always you did the next thing. And so when you do these unchartered and off the beaten path ideas, um, it can be harder because you don't know what success is. And so you're comparing your success against previous success when really success is, oh my gosh, you restructured your resume. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> 
or you went out on a date. Success is just in so many different ways, but I think we so easily get caught up in the black and white versions of success. More money, a relationship, family, stable job. Um, And so sometimes we have limiting beliefs because we don't branch out. Yeah, and I think we get so obsessed almost with these like tile pictures. If you think of like your Instagram, right? Like you get so obsessed with these tile pictures that you know like if I put this up I know I will have like checked that box in a weird way so like if I can just have a picture with the fiance if I can have the house that I bought the dog that I got like the the acceptance letter into the school or the job announcement it's like every time you get those little tiles you feel validated when it's it's kind of boring yeah you know, and I think we also forget, too, that, like, at least in our, you know, our mid to late 20s, to me, and, and I'm sure I'll feel this later in life, too, but, like, to me, I feel like it's so easy to be, like, oh, my God, we're in this time of, like, rejection, and we have to make a decision and change a path, and I was watching a Tony Robbins documentary the other day, and there was this girl on there who was he was interviewing her or asking her a question in the crowd and she was really stressed and anxious and was having trouble letting people into her life and he asked her how old she was before she said her age she said you know I've just been through a lot of heartbreak and whatever and he said I know but how old are you and she said I'm 26 and he looked at her and he was like Bill freaking who? He was like, oh, girl. <laughs> like you. He's like, you don't even understand all of the life that's about to come hit you. And if like you want to moan and groan about twenty six and how difficult your life is, he's like, this is the exciting time. He's like, this is the time when you can take rejection and you can yes. play with it and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop when you're in your 50s and 60s. It still keeps happening. And I think we forget we have a little bit more control life than yeah. we realize. Using all of these milestones, like you mentioned, to define our success, we are letting all of those other factors almost control our mm-hmm. lives. And we're like, but says who? Why not? Go do it. Go take a cycle instructor course or teach swimming to kids on the weekend, whatever your thing is. Like, who says you can't do it? You just have to have enough gumption and belief in yourself to like, yeah, let's do it. And if it fails miserably, at least you have experience to know how to not do something. (laughs) And a good story to go with it. At least... At least you'd get a good glass of wine. I mean, come oh, on. <laughs> so true. And and it's like, it's funny because it, like we go for these tiles. I like this analogy of like the tiles of success and the pictures. And like we get so excited to post certain things or to tell people about certain things. And what I think I'm realizing is like those are milestones. But the people who have those things in life, I don't... It, I might admire them, but I don't admire them for that. The people I admire most are the people who did the weird things, who did the things that, like, you hear the story and you're like, I can't even believe you were crazy enough to do that because it sounds like it would fail, but you did it. Or you failed a few times and you kept doing it. (laughs) What was that moment for you? Like, what was the trigger point where you finally knew, okay, I can't, I got to move. I have to go to the next chapter. Yeah, I think... For me, it was less of stuff I hate. Um, like right now, I'm doing a job I, I would put more in that category because I love, <laughs> and I, it was, it was really hard to say no to that, and walk away. But I just always would think about, man, I would love. Like my favorite part of teaching is being one on one with students and de-escalating them and helping them feel validated and manage their little emotions that are so crazy just like all of our emotions and just help them feel supported and what does that better than a psychologist and so finally I got to a point where I think I had to go through I'm I'm sometimes loyal to a fault and have a mm-hmm. I always have a really great work ethic and so I normally won't say no to a lot of things but I finally just had enough um, abuse at work like 
uh, some really terrible experiences with some supervisors and people in leadership that it got to the point where I no longer could be a part of it because it was now I would be now associated with it and it was really against my values and integrity. So I think sometimes it has to be a big enough thing, catalyst, if you will, that you're just like, I'm not taking it anymore. And then you just make the jump or it just has to be a buildup of reminders of every day of your strength and what you're capable of doing. And yeah, just go for it. And some people need a little bit of a time. Um, I need huge, big, flashing light signs so <laughs> a little bit more extreme, but some people are less stubborn than I am and can take more subtle hit hints <laughs> you need like the billboard sign on the side of the road that's like I want you yep mm-hmm. yep or something so outrageous that uh yeah this yep this isn't okay anymore and I know you're laughing too because it's a- <laughs> for you too (laughs) yep nope I'm the same way where I'm like (laughs) I'll even see the big flashing sign and I'll notice it and I'll tell someone about it and then I'm like oh maybe I misinterpreted it and then (laughs) then I keep going and I feel like there are days where God's like what like seriously I'm fine then I'm just gonna have to tell you no from for everything else until you finally get it And I think I had to have, like, a very concrete no of no girlfriend. There is no no more no's in my back pocket. Can you please get this so we can move on? I've got I got things to do in your life. (laughs) Yeah, like, you had reached a point where you were like, I don't even think there's a a possible job left that I could apply to, like, within this city. And but then and so that's where I also started feeling I was attaching my worth to it because Mm. I there I should be able to get you know I that why the heck are you kidding me um but then instead of seeing it as that was my self worth that was really just redirection little U turn that Stephanie you're not supposed to be on that path I've told you let's go <laughs> well and and not that this matters because I hate following up with like what you say of you just you were tying your self-worth to something and now I feel like I'm about to like tie your self-worth to something else, but I want listeners to understand why this was such a big deal for you. I think rejection, no matter what hurts, but particularly for you, especially as you're even in like job application process, but school interviews, you and I became friends in a library. You were a 4.0 student. You had all of the awards you won alumni awards. Like you were the person who you, anytime you applied for anything, you got it. And then within like seven months of your life, it felt like anything you went for, you were denied. Even when it, Boyfriend. even when it made perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. Everything. And so that's why I say sometimes people need huge signs because we're just a little more stubborn than others. <laughs> <laughs> you, you started to mention briefly, I like heard the boy and then you, and you caught yourself. That was something else that you've, as you started to do this, like, life retransformation. You also, at this time, right before all this was going down, you were in a very serious relationship that, to the outside, Instagrammable Facebook world, looked perfect and totally matched the trajectory of the life that you were going. And then it was gone. Exactly. And I think that was almost what I needed I think that was even more powerful than the um, than the uh, toxic toxicity I was getting at work as it almost motivated me that, okay, well, I'm already on a different path than I thought I was going to be. So let's just do it. But yeah, definitely that was hard too, because within, you know, these seven months, I had, I was no longer getting married to a guy I thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was applying for jobs and not getting them. And then I have this crazy idea of, actually, let's make this even crazier <laughs> and go back to school and not make money for four years, because that definitely sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and that's another thing. Like, you, you always had your friendships and relationships figured out. You always had academics figured out. And you always financially supported yourself. And so you also had to say, like, you know, this came up in the very, very first episode of like, that's the scariest piece of life when you're about to make a shift and you have to say, I I might be poor 
like to do this is it worth it do I love it that much and do I I mean I really like Starbucks (laughs) I don't want to lose my gold card I lose and all these other things but I think also when we're on the path that we're supposed to be on like other things fall in place that Mm -hmm. falls into place too and if we're letting that be our biggest fear then we're probably not even supposed to be embarking on it because might when things get hard you might decide oh actually just kidding you mean you have to go through it all the way um and I think it's another part of humility right of I like you said like success was always really the the instagrammable definable normal definition for me and so I kind of was like embarrassed that not only did like (laughs) one thing fall through all of it at once and trying to figure out and navigate it and I had to rely on some close friends and cry and my parents more than I think I wanted to but I feel like that's also a part of humility that we need yeah um, put in your place ah and remember that you know we aren't created to just do this by ourselves and if we did we would all be little robots <laughs> which is also so boring and, and really creepy yes yeah <laughs> I remember when I graduated from college. Um, It was the day before I was about to move to New York, and I had gone to see a mentor of mine before leaving town. And he said something to me that I think has haunted me to this day. And he said, you know, you're going to get to New York. You're going to do really well. You're such a go-getter. You're going to move up quick. But there's going to be a point where life is going to knock you down. Like the two by two is going to fall. It's going to knock you on your head and you're not going to know what to do. But know that we'll be here to pick you up and we'll, you know, it'll be okay. I think for people like you and I who are perfectionists and have pieces of workaholism and who have for the overwhelming majority of their life placed their worth on very tangible like academic or business success because that you know that's what got us praised as children and in school by teachers and things like that when we hear things like that we actually almost cripple ourselves because we start to enter this period of life where we're so afraid of that shoe dropping that we kind of go into overdriving everything that we do and just become super self-reliant and Mm -hmm. like oh I can work harder oh I can get another job oh, I can figure this out, or, and so then we, like you said, we cut some things off, because sometimes your community will be like, hey, where have you been? I love you. I'm trying to support you. Yeah, like, where are you? And you're, and you're so busy being like, I'm not failing. I'm not failing. I'm not failing. I'm not failing. And, and so you start to all those limiting beliefs that you have, you start to internalize them, because you're so afraid of letting anyone know that that's what's going on in your head. Exactly. When you were sitting on that beach that day, and and I think you and I talked a few days after that, actually, but you were with a bunch of your family at that time who had a very clear vision of, like, who you were and what kind of made you tick. Did you tell people on that trip that that's what you wanted to do? Or, like, were there certain people in your life where you were afraid to say, like, I kind of, I want to go for this, but you just, like, couldn't say it out loud? Oh, that's such a good question. Um... You know, I can't even remember. I I might have told, like, my sister and my mom, then just, like, a handful of friends. But, you know, on the outside, some people who, you know, I've had I've had a number of people say, are you, are you serious? Why are you going to do that? Like, you're going to spend all that money. And, like, is it worth it? Because you could be making a lot of money right now and yeah. you're going to not. Like, at what? Why? Why, why are you sure that's a good idea? So, yeah, I definitely remember that and definitely some fear-based. I mean, it's still a little weird to tell people because they're like, well, why are you doing this? You could be doing <laughs> other things. Like, are you – I mean, and I remember somebody saying, is there something you could do that you don't need your doctorate in psychology? Mm. Like, don't you have another – like, I know you can do so many things. But for some reason, this is what I'm really passionate about and – Hopefully I don't flop. <laughs> You're not going to flop. You've already been officially accepted into at least one of them. So now you know you have somewhere to go. I'll be somewhere. Um, but <laughs> I, I think sometimes, and that's, I think you bring up a good point because it's having to have the confidence in myself of like, yes, I'm making this 
big jump. And yes, I believe in myself that it's okay that it's different than a lot of other people's linear life trajectories. I mean, I was in an interview on this past Friday, yesterday, yesterday. I was in an interview yesterday and I'm around all people who just graduated undergrad. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> I've been out of school for five years. What do you mean? Six years, I- six years. <laughs> yeah thanks for that um, you're welcome but yeah may will be six like what are you doing girlfriend but then you have to remember like oh, thank you so much for all those experiences that helped me get to this point and yeah it's at a different spot but I'm supposed to be here and I'm equally as qualified or I bring so much more because of the little bumps I've already had well and and like honestly thank god right like could you imagine having left college and gone straight into I know, I know many people do but that's awesome because they already hats off for already knowing what they want to do yeah but even think like I don't know I, I think a lot about education and I'm sure when I'm at a point where I can financially give back to different causes education is one of them because I actually think we do such a disservice to society as a whole by telling kids at 17, eight, 17 years old, you should know what you want to do with your life and you need to go study that for four years. And then, oh, by the way, times are changing and you're never going to get like a great job or reach a certain level if you don't go straight to school, you know, straight to grad school. And then you need your PhD. Like we push people so far through these paths that it takes them till, you know, late 20s where someone's not telling them what to do anymore. And they actually haven't ever had to experience life up until that point. And they've lived over a quarter of their life. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's real. It's really real. Or they get pushed into something that they're not actually passionate about, but they're just continuing it because, like, otherwise I'm $100,000 in debt for what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, and you start to have people. And honestly, I've been one of those people. Like, I have been the person talking to a friend to say, you are already $200,000 in debt. I don't really care if you don't want to do it anymore. You kind of made your bed. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah, exactly. you know, man up or woman up. Like, you got to keep going. And then we forget that we're all so close to being on that line of well. <laughs> all right, pivot. Mm-hmm. I don't think I realized that a lot of the students that you were interviewing alongside were straight out of undergrad. Is that the typical career path for what you want to do? No, I, I, I've, uh, when I was um, in a bigger group of the interview group, everyone seems to be about three to eight years removed. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that, I'm just, there's like, it just happened to be the two people that were sitting on either side of me <laughs> that made me sweat and question, like, oh my gosh, what the heck am I doing? But, <laughs> um, yeah, I and I think actually a lot of, programs prefer you to have experience because how can you be a strong clinician and pull from experience if you haven't you know experienced some of those emotions or like right like how do you I mean I think about business school much the same like MBA I don't think anyone should ever be allowed to go straight from undergrad to it because so much of what you need to do like managing people comes from life experience and someone can give you a textbook and tell you what you should do all day long but if you don't have scenarios which you have many from your classroom that you can put up against it and say but what w- should you do in this situation then you're not really going to be that successful exactly are there certain days from teaching that I like motivate you or you think kind of like stick with you the most that you'll continue to carry through in your next stage of your life oh absolutely I I mean I just I don't even think I can ever eloquently or find the words to say the impact that the community I was a part of and got to be able to contribute to had on my life um, is that, you know, and we're seeing in recent news, um, mm-hmm. access to quality mental health services is just hard to come by. Um, it's hard for if you have money and insurance. It's hard if you have a job. It's hard if you don't have money and don't have a job and it's culturally frowned upon to get help. Yep. Um, so that's what motivates me all the time is I think about 
you know, I had kids that had seen siblings get shot. I had students that had passed. Um, and just product of trauma and just really hard um, aspects of life that no young person should be exposed to. So that's really why I'm trying to do what I'm doing because everybody should be able to feel mentally supported and emotionally stable. Um, and it shouldn't be dictated by your neighborhood or where you grew up or your zip code or your area code, whatever it may be. Um, so that's what really keeps me going every day. I can hear the passion and excitement as you tell those stories, even just through the phone. Obviously, I know them from in person from you, but like, I think that's why you're going to be so successful is because you have that big why. Like, you've seen what happens when it doesn't work, when the right things aren't focused on. And that's what's going to drive you through those really tough days. Right. I mean, if nobody comes to me with using my stapler as a staple, like shooting staples, <laughs> at, I'm pretty sure grad school's going to be off. <laughs> I'm going to say that to you when you have like your really <laughs> awful days. Hey, but nobody took a stapler and like tried to chuck it at you. That's great. Yeah. I just smile and get excited and get goosebumps of like, gosh, to be able to be a part of it. And it's hard. It's really hard. And when I think when you find your truest passions that you're supposed to be following, I mean, they're not jobs. They're not careers. They're a way of life. And it's hard to take and extract your identity from what your job is, which is why it's hard to have work-life balance. But it's what motivates me and what gets me up in the morning. It's what makes me do really terrible, crappy side jobs to make it work. <laughs> so, yeah. Just for the listeners to clarify, how many side jobs do you have right now? Um, well, I work, I'm working seven days a week with like half of Thursday off until like about 2 p.m. And then do babysitting or dog walking on whatever hours I can string together. (laughs) So you have like at least four jobs. (laughs) Yep. It's basically, it's like the definition of Instagram. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) But what I love about that is even on your toughest days, doing those four jobs, just to be able to make ends meet and to get healthcare and to keep you going, keeps you happier than the really stable job that you grew to basically hate because what you're doing now even though it's actually like might not look ideal to anyone on the outside it's getting closer to what you really want to do exactly yeah and I think that's what's the hard part is comparing it to the outside world when you just know for yourself you are good motivation for me Steph Pinch as always (laughs) both ways girly (laughs) so we're probably nearing towards the end ish So with that, I'm going to start to bring us back around into a rapid fire round. Are you ready? Yeah. I mean, it's the last day of the Olympics, so it it works, right? That is right. Do you know what? I just have to interject this and maybe people feel differently. I just like can't get into the Winter Olympics. I love the Olympics. Like the spirit behind it. I get so emotional watching athletes and learning their but just the sports themselves, other than snowboarding, I, I just don't understand. Yeah, I this is the Olympics I've watched it the least, which is weird. But even, yeah, I would agree. This year was my least enthusiastic year that I have ever had for the Olympics. Yeah, I just wasn't, I don't know. But I have to say, the thing I love the most about the Olympics, which is why I get excited that we get them like every two years, I, I just love seeing the stories of people and just everything that they've overcome and everything that they've put in like to me there are very few types of individuals that are more inspiring to me than an athlete and I think probably very few types of people I admire more than athletes because or like envy more is probably the right word because obviously their job is very hard but how many people can really say that they've worked 20 30 40 years of their life to train for what they're doing, but still wake up every morning loving what they do, like getting to do what they love. It's gratification, right? Like it's four minutes in like mm-hmm. four years away. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I know the dedication and the patience. I also admire that because I'm, 
as you know, the very impatient person, like the patience to know that you have to put that amount of work to get like a two minute or, or sometimes even a 15 second chance mm-hmm. to succeed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas we get chances, most people in their everyday jobs get chances every day to succeed and to shine and to build and to get recognized. And oftentimes athletes, especially Olympic athletes, though they have various competitions and meets and they have worlds, that's their big stage. And oftentimes it's literally seconds and it could all come down to the weather or just like a bad day with your body. Exactly. Yeah. Or just like a creepy, crazy, weird turn of events. And yeah. Yeah. Or an underdog. You and I love the underdog stories. Yep. And also, can we talk about how the USA women won gold for the first time? Yes, in cross country. I saw that. The women's hockey team. Oh, and hockey. You're right. Hockey won. The women, like, really dominated. And I have to say, watching Sean White win also made me emotional because, again, like, I love the comeback stories. I love the stories of the people who are just like, I, it would have been so easy for me to go out then. It would have been so easy to say, I'm done to listen to the critics to say, you know what? I have my two or whatever, but to keep going. Oh, it's awesome. It's so cool. So anyways, that was my, that was my tangent. As much as I said, I I like can't get that into it. I have watched a lot of it and I get excited by it, but I'm just like, I'm obviously it's about to be March. I care much more about college basketball. So (laughs) go heels. Go Tar Heels. (laughs) Okay, so with that, let's go to Rapid Fire. So I know you're familiar um, with what we do, but we're going to do three Rapid Fire questions. Number one, we are going to honor three small wins you had this week, even though I know you've had big wins this week. We're going to then go into the number one thing you want to achieve by next week. And then the third thing, so you can kind of like ponder this, is what is one quote that really either is defining kind of the point of life that you're in right now or the one that really keeps you going. So let's start with the small wins first. Um, Small wins was, this is kind of a big one. Um, Well, I guess... Oh, gosh, they're kind of related. So Everyone saying- always does this. They're like, well, actually, I had big wins this week, which is the point. That's Like, every week, if you really think about it, you have big wins. Yeah, so one big win was I did get accepted to a doctorate of psychology PsyD program. Yep, you did. <laughs> At where? Well, Just I- this little school called... Uh, it's at the George Washington University. <laughs> but I don't know if that's like my end game. So, But it is a school. Yeah, you have an option. Somewhere. And then also tied to that is I didn't get into a school where I thought it was a really good fit for me. Um, mm-hmm. And also started that do- downward spiral of like, are you kidding me? I've done this for <laughs> months. Are you kidding me? Um, and normally I would have stayed in that spiral for a lot longer, or I would have let it dictate my entire, I would have just stayed in that moment. Um, but instead, even though it's still, it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt or you're not a little disappointed, but I just was able to stay, um, listening to my truths and my narrative that, you know, that doesn't define me. And that's, I've asked God to have really obvious direction so I don't have to make as many choices. So I'm just following <laughs> So uh, he listened. <laughs> yeah, so he did what I asked. So what am I going to do to complain about it? But getting into a grad school program and, uh, yeah, being okay in the not perfect results of others was pretty pretty awesome this week. Those are big wins. You need one more. You have to do three. Oh, yeah, three. My third one is just I'm in I, – I mentioned this earlier. I was in a really toxic job for a long time and I just had people for me to be able to go on these interviews people covered for me with my clients and um, it's not really a win for me but I just a win to be able to see community and a healthy work environment is pretty awesome that is that is huge and to see that example of like oh wait that it does exist and you're not gonna make me feel bad about 
trying to pursue my dream. What? Thank you. Oh my gosh. Who can imagine? <laughs> yes. So then what's coming up this week, Steph? Uh, this week I have two more interviews um, at two of my top choices. So Which you're going to crush? Yes, and we're going to have so much confidence. Um, I think I just, my goal for this week is just to continue to carry that. Um, my word for the year is worthy and worthy of confidence mm-hmm. and being at the table. Um, and so just to honor that this week, that's my big goal. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to hear how all of these go. And okay. then quote, 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 quote is anyone listening who hasn't read her should it's by Brene Brown it's also tied to my kind of journey this year of just worthy and embracing that and not having guilt or shame tied to following my dreams but she says you're imperfect and you're wired for struggle but you are worthy of love and belonging I love that wait can you repeat that one more time yes you're imperfect and you're wired for struggle but you are worthy of love and belonging. So good. It just ties it all together. Because you are imperfect, that is why you're worthy. Yep. And we're going to have the struggle, but we're still going to get be loved and belong. Right. You don't have to not struggle or get out of the struggle before you can have all that. So good. I love it. Is that from the power of vulnerability or what is that from? From Brene? Oh, gosh. I can look She's a that. favorite. Yeah, I just have it on my um, my. It's actually the background of my phone, so I can look. <laughs> but if it's about, oh. bel- it might be "Braving the Wilderness," her newest book. Um, oh, that might be. She talked a lot about belonging, so it might be in this one. But I'll get back to you. <laughs> I love it, love it, and for anyone else listening, Brene Brown is a phenomenal writer who's really good if you're struggling with. Uh, like vulnerability and clarity and direction. Gabby Bernstein is another really awesome one. That's someone that Steph and I love a lot. And you've met her too, right? Have we both met her? Yeah, at the I, we were in a small group, but got to fangirl and shake her hand and said, "Oh my, try to be cool." <laughs> <laughs> try to be cool. Yeah, she um she ended up being one of the keynote speakers at a conference that I like went to on a whim and I almost cried in my office chair when I found out. So she's awesome. Much more about like the universe and God or whatever you want to put a name on for like the higher power. She's more focused on that and energy. And then someone more recently that I've come to love and I know you love too is uh, Alyssa Tierkirst. Yeah. <laughs> and her most recent book, I, well, I guess it came out a year and a half ago now, uh, but it's called Uninvited. And it is all about dealing with feelings of rejection in life, whether it's from our past or our present moments, people, jobs, scenarios, whatever it might be, where you just, you don't feel like worthy of the things that you want. She, that's a phenomenal book. So all three really great authors to recommend. So Go look them up. Bill Bernstein and Lisa Turkhurst. Yes. <laughs> so good. Okay. Well, with that, I guess I'll let you go, Steph, so you can enjoy the rest of your weekend and get prepped for all of your um, interviews this week. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much. So proud of you. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Thanks for coming on. Love ya. Bye. <laughs>